You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. It's, it's not telling people to do this, you should do this, you should do that. You, you do what you, you want with your life. Here are some suggestions, but also to not feel overwhelmed because a key, key theme throughout the book is that every little thing makes a difference. It's all about individual action and habit change. Hello, hello, it's Naomi here. Welcome to another episode of the Power of Why podcast, where I talk to creatives and founders about their purpose and how they navigate living on their own terms. As you know, I also package these episodes into show notes that break down the conversation, provide links to resources and people that we mentioned in the episode, and very practical ways to explore yourself and your creativity. So make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. I've dropped the link in the description box. All right, enjoy this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Power of Why podcast. My name is Naomi Haile, and today I'm joined by the incredible Jay Sinha. Jay, how are you doing today? I am well, Naomi. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's, a, it's an honest pleasure. Uh, so for some context for the audience, Jay is an accomplished entrepreneur, lawyer, scientist, researcher, writer, and policy advisor with this experience spanning the academic, government, and private sector. Most of Jay's professional experience has thoughtfully been linked to the environment and sustainability in some way. Uh, you and Chantel are the co-founders of Life Without Plastic and have since built a global community of plastic-free living enthusiasts and advocates, where you help decrease the world's dependence on plastic and actually educate people about the health and environmental problems associated with plastics. In 2017, you published the book Life Without Plastic, and you are currently writing a book on morning rituals, which is incredible and we'll probably touch upon in this episode. You know, a couple months ago, I met Jay at a creative morning session and immediately felt that he was, you know, someone who was intentional about his lifestyle. He was very calm and had a joyful spirit. And when I found out that he was also intentional about living a full, healthy, low footprint lifestyle, I definitely thought, you know, you have to share your story on, on the power of why. So thank you for being here. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for having me. That's quite an introduction. Can you give us a little bit more context about your origin story and how you grew up and, and what your journey has been like before Life Without Plastic? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So, and it, it makes sense to do that because my, my, my growing up, my background really feeds into a lot of who I am, obviously who I am now, but to Life Without Plastic as well. So, I grew up in Winnipeg. I'm a prairie boy and I'm a hybrid as well. My mother is a mix of Irish, Dutch and Welsh and she grew up on a farm just outside Winnipeg. My father is Indian, originally from Bangladesh, Bengali and <clears throat> grew up in India in a region of at now it's Bangladesh at the time when he grew up it was uh, an area called Maiman Singh in Bangladesh and so my mother on the farm, they lived very close to the earth and farmed all their food, grew all their food, and did a lot, not just in terms of their food, but in terms of everyday life, like making their own candles, making baskets, things like that. So it was very manual, close to the earth lifestyle. 
similarly with my father on the other side of the earth growing up around the same time it was a similar lifestyle the area where they lived was a hillish country with lakes and forests and uh, a lot of time was spent out in nature both with my mother and my father so i grew up with a real appreciation for nature so that kind of sparked my whole interest in the environment and from there it's really been a bit of a filter and a core aspect of who I am and fit into everything that I do. I mean, I really feel I'm here on earth to help the environment in as many ways as I can. So for example, when I was in high school, I was involved with the student council and pushed for different things to help with the environment in terms of recycling. Um, mm -hmm. When I went on to university, it was, it was similar in my courses. I, I began studying biochemistry, um, thinking possibly medicine, but also thinking more about maybe doing research. Mm -hmm. The way it evolved, I got closer and closer to the environment and um, ended up going to law school. At that point, it was <laughs> sort of a way I, I didn't want to go into medicine and I didn't want to do research, I decided. So I went to law school and then things really started to gel a little more. Strangely, I didn't really go into law school to become a lawyer, but more to get a legal education and so I focused on environmental courses in the upper years when I was able to and larger projects related to the environment and international environmental law, things like that. From, from there, I, I did end up uh, working at a law firm in Toronto. That was a little more hardcore corporate, yeah. not so much environmental, but I did do an environmental rotation, then moved to Ottawa and worked with the Library of Parliament and eventually with Environment Canada as well. And then the business came up when Chantal and I, who um, were at the time married, were, were now business partners. We had our son, and that was the real spark for the business because when he was born, we looked for ways to not just be environmentally aware, but to minimize the amount of toxics in our life. Mm -hmm. So when our son was born, we were looking for ways to minimize um, chemicals that he would be exposed to and one thing that came up was was plastics um, as babies will do they put put things in everything in their mouth and a lot of toys tend to be plastic so that got us thinking and we did some research and this was back in 2003 and came across at even at that time articles scientific articles indicating some of the dangers of plastics and chemicals that can leach out of plastics so that led us to look for non-plastic baby bottles because Chantal was breastfeeding at the time but we would store milk still and um, we she in particular was looking around for glass baby bottles and really couldn't find any and there was one supplier uh, manufacturers still making them down in the States, even flow. And even though they're now quite common back then, they weren't. And so she called up even flow and asked if she could order some and they said, sure, no problem. But the minimum order is a thousand. So that was one of the sparks for really starting the business. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it started with a specific area or issue that you were trying to target and address in your own life. And so it started with the yeah. plastic bottles. And at the time with, you know, your community and you mentioned that a big part of your career was these relationships that you've built. At the time, mm. did you notice that finding alternatives to plastic was an issue amongst your peers and your friends as well? Or was it something that you and Chantel were strictly talking about? 
Yeah, really hardly at all. It was not so much of an issue back then. In fact, people thought we were nuts. Even our families thought we were kind of crazy at times, uh, wondering where this was coming from. And it was it was very much of a niche, more alternative issue, our, our network at that time. People weren't really aware of the issue. It really was... Mm-hmm quite quite off the radar at that point there were other things you know recycling was certainly big yes. at that point um, mm-hmm. but no not the plastics issue yeah because i think the the way in which that i came across the plastics was through the zero waste lifestyle movement mm. and i know there's a lot of there's a lot of people sort of advocating and people who are enthusiastic about the issue as well and yeah, have have created these global movements like you are part of creating this global movement of living without plastic or living close to zero zero waste and so for you what was the process of building up this incredible community and was it that intentional at the beginning were you guys thinking about it becoming a business or was it strictly let's adjust our lifestyle and see the benefits that it will bring for our family that's a great question because it's really it's a bit of both. It began out of our own need in looking for alternatives to plastics. And we did know of, you know, some other people in our close friends who were, who were interested and were interested to, in the issue as well a little bit. But um, we thought in, in finding these alternatives for ourselves, it led to um, sort of one thing after another. Chantal is really more the business person and um, she had always wanted to start a business of some sort. So we've been looking at ideas and I've been more kind of the substance guy, um, more like the issue side of it and the, the activism. And so we were looking for something that would really fit with our own experience and meet one of our own needs. And, and this, it just evolved that way with this plastic issue. It, it moved forward um, kind of naturally. Mm-hmm. And, so with those initial products, we started looking for other products. It really began with those glass baby bottles and then some stainless steel food containers. And I, I guess we kind of looked at other areas of our life where we mm. were looking for alternatives and couldn't find them. And so we, we sourced them out or designed some in some cases too. I mean, one example is ice cube trays. Yeah. We were looking for a non-plastic ice cube tray and really couldn't find one anywhere. And, but my mother had one that was made out of aluminum from the fifties. These ones with a lever that you can pull and it breaks the cubes. Yeah. So based on that model, we made a stainless steel one and, and that became quite popular steel. So it's been a mix of our own needs, but then as we put these products out there, more and more people became interested. And along with the business side of it, the, you have to understand the business is it's very much a um, a lifestyle business but also a, a business based on social responsible principles in in that it, it was never just about the bottom line but it's a mission-based mm-hmm. business I mean baked into the DNA is this issue of the health and the environmental effects related to plastics so that's always been there and apart from selling products we've also been always been an educational resource and right. um, that, that's sort of been more my side of it and led to, of course, the writing of the book, which we put out in 2017. That, and the book is really kind of a distillation of our whole experience in the previous 10, 12 years, which happened somewhat organically. Just, it just kind of grew and grew. And then, well, a, a key factor I would mention is in 2007, the Canadian government decided to ban um, 
the inclusion of bisphenol A in baby bottles, plastic baby bottles, and in the lining of um, formula containers for baby food. And so that really led to a, a, a lot of interest in the issue as bisphenol A is, an, is what's called an endocrine disruptor. It actually um, can impact the hormonal system in the body. Mm -hmm. And that really kind of led to an explosion of the issue around the world. And so at that point, we were quite established and were well poised to actually jump into the issue and, and help build the movement more and more. And so then a lot of people came on board and were more interested in looking for alternatives and looking for information. And right. it just grew from there. Mm -hmm. And because you had built, been building it for a number of years and it was part of even your career journey, I find so fascinating of being able to span so many different industries, but also, but always keeping that environmental and sustainable aspect to it is, is really fascinating to me. And so for you, you mentioned that you didn't go to law school to become a lawyer. It was more so, you know, developing that critical thinking skill set or certain skill sets that you would from this degree. And so for you, was each move very strategic and intentional or did they come up and you were you know excited to delve in or try a different area how did your whole career map align itself yeah that's that's a great question um, in in some ways it's been kind of strategic but really it's been much more serendipitous and as I mentioned relationship based it's it's really a lot of it has been based on people that I've met who have been doing interesting things and inspired me. Um, I really don't think I overthought my career decisions too much. I had a lot of interests. I, um, I've always been interested in a lot of different things and with the environment being a core one. Another core one that's been a theme throughout my life is, has been writing. I always wanted to yeah. be a writer. Mm -hmm. And so I always took English courses, for example, through, through university, whether I was studying science or whether I was studying law, I always found room to take writing or English courses in some way. In some ways, I, I kind of wish I had thought a little more about certain decision points because one, I think I would have stayed, for example, a little more maybe in the private sector in Toronto when we were there to get a little more of that experience, which would have been helpful for the business. But in at the same ways? time, just seeing how business works. At the time I was doing corporate law and as a lawyer, you see one side of it, but you get to meet, you get to meet a lot of business people and it was interesting because I had mentioned that I didn't really go into law school to become a lawyer. And that became even clearer when I began working as a lawyer, because it seemed to me that the business people were doing the fun stuff and the lawyers were doing sort of the more dry contractual stuff, at least in the corporate law that I was doing. So that was a signal there. But it was really good experience because I was exposed to the way business works at quite a high level with really talented people. So... That would have, I, I would have appreciated more experience there, but no regrets. Um, everything I've done has really fed into who I am now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the book is called Life Without Plastic, and it's really a guide that you created. Can you talk us through a little bit of what individuals can expect? You mentioned the first bit mm. was the science portion, health implications. Would it help folks who are looking to understand how they can reduce waste in their life? Or does it more focus on the plastic consumption piece? Mm -hmm. uh, it's very much both. The book and 
So you've talked about the zero waste movement and it, it really goes hand in hand with, with plastic reduction as well. We, we work a lot with the whole zero waste movement and zero waste bloggers, people who are interested in zero waste issues. And um, the way the book is laid out, as I mentioned, the first part is more a, a deep dive into the issue itself. We actually start before that just to get people aware of the, the core issues. And I should point out from the beginning that the book is really designed to meet pretty much anyone where they're at, whether you are a complete beginner to the issue and it, it seems daunting and overwhelming, or you have a lot of experience with it and are looking for ways to go deeper. So right at the beginning, we, we tell our story, but then we also jump into what we call Pareto Plastic Free Living Guide. And it's a quick start guide where the focus is on single-use disposable plastics, which are really at the core of the plastic pollution problem around the world. Mm -hmm. Things like plastic bags, bottles, Straws. water bottles, absolutely, utensils, mm -hmm. and how the Pareto concept comes in with the idea that if um, you're able to remove maybe these items in your life, it could have a, a 80, uh, maybe up to 80% reduction from your own plastic usage. That's insane. But, wow. Yeah, yeah. that plastic... Um, like those single-use disposable plastics and packaging are really at the core of plastic pollution problem. So the first part of the book gives people a bit of a way to get into it easily. And then we go into the science and the environmental aspects of it and talk about different alternatives as well. The second part of the book is, is the more practical how-to aspect. And there we kind of go through room to room in the house, first of all, looking at, well, the first thing we suggest is doing a personal plastic audit, where you just look at your life, step back and stop and look at your life and notice the plastic that's coming into your life. And once you notice it, you may be surprised how much plastic is actually in your life. And then you can begin to look at ways to reduce it. And we, we don't recommend just wholesale getting rid of all the plastic right away that would create an enormous amount of unnecessary waste because plastic does have important uses in certain applications but the idea is to look at ways to change your habits because it's very much a behavioral issue to minimize the plastic use so in the second half of the book we go through the house we look at then outside of the house things like at the work in the work environment uh, going camping um, at the gym, all sorts of different areas. And then the final part of the book is for people who want to go further and take on more of an activist role, get involved in different different organizations, plastic free, plastic cleanup. We do a little a review of some of the youth in the world who are doing incredible things to reduce plastic. The idea is that it be an overall look at the plastic issue from all angles allow anyone at any level, wherever they are, to jump into the issue, but without feeling overwhelmed. And a mm -hmm. key theme throughout the book is that um, there's, there's no judgment. It's, it's not telling people to do this, you should do this, you should do that. You, you do what you, you want with your life. Here are some suggestions, but also to not feel overwhelmed because a key, key theme throughout the book is that every little thing makes a difference. It's all about individual action and habit change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think that feeling of overwhelm might actually have the opposite effect in you wanting to make these types of changes in your life. You talk a lot about the, the habits and the awareness that comes with even just doing an audit of your current 
products and, and what comes into your life and what you're purchasing. So what has been the most monumental insight about people that you've learned? I guess at the core, at the core, people need the environment, whether they realize it or not. We all depend on air, water, land for food, but the environment does not need us necessarily. I think the environment would be just fine without human beings on earth. There would be, it would continue on and perhaps prosper and thrive more than it is, much more than it is now. And all environmental issues that we see out there now in terms of pollution, they're human caused. And so if you look at it that way, it's really easy to make the next jump and show that they're being, being caused by human behavior. They're behavioral issues. So and whether you look at this from an individual level or a systemic level, we focused on the individual level with what we do and with the book and so on, but at the systemic level, like governmental and larger businesses, corporations, all of these larger organizations are still led by individuals. And in my experience, in the way the various different um, work environments I've worked in, whether it be in government or in business, one individual can have an enormous impact when they're in a position of power and decision-making power. So if that one individual who is in the system and has the power to make big decisions is aware of these issues, that can lead to some pretty huge systemic change pretty quickly. So that's why I think this most monumental insight really has been that all environmental issues are behavioral issues, obviously including the plastics issue, and that to create positive change, it's all about habit change and, and discipline at the individual level, which then can translate into the systemic level. So that's really been monumental. It, I, I never even thought about it that way at the beginning. It's really just in the last few years that this has come up and become so clear that it's really a behavioral issue. Yeah, that's a great note. And even when it comes to being able to impact these large organizations, it absolutely does start from an individual level. And by thinking about our lifestyle in that way, that inevitably allows you to think also differently about, you know, how is our division or our department looking at waste or procurement and um, sort of with the activities that are going on in the office. So I think it definitely is this mindset shift that needs to happen. I really appreciate how you talk about the non-judgmental piece. Everybody's, everybody's lives are, are very unique and different. And the way that we make decisions yeah. is also different. There's so many moving parts. But I think, yeah. you know, when we, when we do a scan of how exactly we are leading our lives and just become more aware of all those decisions, we can make tweaks that, as you mentioned, have these ripple effects and turn into larger impacts that we may sometimes underestimate. It's yeah. Important. And I think that's been a, the, the non-judgmental aspect has been really, really, really core too. I, and just to give you a little example, kind of that com comes up kind of funny, we're living in Wakefield here in a smaller community. Um, you know, people know us and what we do. And so if we go, for example, to the general store and are getting our groceries and stuff, and you know, most people bring reusable bags these days, so Although with the uh, COVID virus, things have changed. When we would go to the store and people would see us, they would, uh, if they're at the cash and uh, you get the question, paper or plastic, um, they might see us and then look very embarrassed and say, oh, uh, paper, paper, or oh, I have a bag and run out to the mm -hmm. car and get it. But there's really no judgment on our part. It's we all have mm -hmm. our own journey and um, 
for you. You have to do what works for you at your own speed. But the awareness is that's just what we're trying to get it put out there. That, uh, and I think people appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we go into um, discussion about your business, what mm-hmm. have been some of the highs and lows of building mm-hmm. something from the ground up at, at a time when it wasn't something that was so openly discussed? You, you briefly mentioned how your family and your close friends reacted to this, but, you know, what did that look like? Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of the the highs, I mean, having your own business comes with a lot of incredible benefits. The fact that you have complete control over everything you do, you're not dictated by outside influences so much. There's a lot of freedom there. You can make the rules. And in a situation like this, where it really was part of starting a movement, although I don't think we even looked at it that way, really starting a movement, we were just, it, it was just a bit of a flow and the movement kind of grew around us and we were a part of it. I think. A big high out of the whole business process has been the relationships that we've built with other businesses, like-minded businesses. And as I mentioned before, the NGOs, people working on the front lines on the issues, that's been just phenomenal. And the other big high was how we really are having an impact. Like it really is making a difference. And we get feedback from people telling us that. And But the book process has been really powerful for that too is some people have told us that it's actually changed their lives wow that's holy cow how how cool is that in terms of the lows there are lots of lows with (laughs) running and starting your own business too it's not easy it is really not easy there are times when we almost shut down very close very close to complete debt you have to do everything yourself so certainly at the beginning, you have to learn everything, and there's a massive learning curve. It all comes back to you. Cash flow is a constant issue. As problems come up, often when you least expect them, you have to deal with them right away. Just to give you one tangible example, I had mentioned in 2007 that the issue kind of exploded. We were well-placed for that, and the business really took off. And so as a result of that, we, we staffed up. We were buying a lot of inventory, and for our sort of business, the upfront costs are quite big in terms of capital cost for buying, the main one being inventory, because there's a large initial upfront capital cost, but we don't see the return from that inventory for several months. And in 2009, things sort of plateaued and we found ourselves with a lot of staff and not as many sales coming in. So we got to a point where our staff costs were so high and we were just about to go under and then we were able to get a loan from the BDC and uh, maintain things. And, and sort of shift our business and make it work. But that was a really tough time. I mean, another big high has really been the book, I, I would say, because it, it's introduced us to a lot of new people and other businesses. And it's, it's taken on kind of an international life of its own. It was originally published in English by a US publisher. And since then, the rights have been purchased by various publishers around the world. And it's now been translated into Italian, Japanese, Czech, Slovak. Which is insane. Uh, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I think so too. And French. We um it was bought by an amazing French publisher, Quebec publisher, Eco Societe, and they worked with us to actually update it. So the mm-hmm. French version, which launched this past fall at the Montreal Zero Waste Festival, is an updated version. And that's led to book readings and I just a month before about a month ago, just before the whole COVID virus thing took off, was in uh, Brussels for the Brussels Book Fair, and um, Chantal was in Paris earlier in the year, and 
and so that's been amazing to to see the way the book has taken off and, and led us to all kinds of different ways to build awareness about the issue and it's been interesting in, in Europe too. We were in Italy in the fall and people were just thirsting for this information mm-hmm. um, and, and um, would do talks or panel discussions and readings and uh, people were very, very into it. Yes, and, and it's crazy how things will lead to other opportunities in ways that you could never have planned. And, absolutely, absolutely. And, and as much as even tying that back to the pattern kind of in your career as well, not necessarily something that you could have planned right these are relationships <laughs> that you've built these are yes never in a million years yeah these are it's a simple yes or no everything that happens to us in life is usually because of a decision that mm-hmm. leads to other things so it's been really cool to see how it all came from you know this one moment <laughs> when you decided mm. to look into into products for your young kid and that led to a decision which led to a book which led to just a global community and so that's really really cool to see what would your advice be for folks who are maybe at the beginning of starting something a venture a business a project but are facing some roadblocks and challenges Mm -hmm. yeah great question well a couple of things first i would say is to be clear on your idea and it should be something that's really you're, you're passionate about but it's not just that once you have an idea you could have multiple ideas and you could be passionate about them all i think what you want to do is look at it a little more methodically and talk to people there are so many people out there who have done things have started businesses and and have knowledge and information to share and just to get an idea of if the idea is viable and, and how to go about it, but also to make, to make use of the tools. I mean, we've just never been living at a more amazing time where it's, it's never been easier to start a business, in particular with the online tools that are out there. It's so easy to set up a website now and to sell something or to start a blog or a podcast and get it up and running really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I'd say make use of those tools. And if you're not sure um, how to go about them or how, how to find them, then just literally do some simple Google searches and, and, and talk to as many people as possible. As I've, I've mentioned, and it's clear from my journey, is so much has been about relationships and I've learned so much from the other people I've interacted with. And there's a lot of things I would have done differently had I known different things um, and or had I talked to other people at particular times. I, I think that is what really makes the difference in um, moving something forward quickly and as painlessly as possible. But the other key element I would put put in there is to be persistent and not expect it to be easy, but to not give up. If you really believe in it, if it's really what you want to do, it's going to be hard work, but just, just don't give up. Just keep at it. And, you know, for you, you talk about, you talked about self-awareness as well. And how important has that been on your journey when it comes to being fulfilled and living a whole life? Oh, it's absolutely crucial. And I mean, it's something that I think I'm constantly working on. I I, I think there are ways I could be much more self-aware. It's a constant journey. But for me, self-awareness there are various elements to it like at a, at a pure business or career level it's understanding where you are as a beginning point like what skills you have what you would like to do 
and what maybe your your limits or your perceived limits may be, and then figuring out your goals, where you want to go, and, and being aware of that. As you look at yourself a little more closely and take the time to do that and maybe read and talk to people, I, I think you can go to a deeper level of, of self-awareness. And one thing that really helps me is, is taking time for myself, whether it's meditation. I have a Qigong practice that I do daily. And, and this is, you, you know, you'd mentioned in the intro about the morning rituals book mm-hmm. that I, I started writing that because the morning rituals that I began doing and heard about from other people, as I was talking to people, they've made such a huge difference in my life and they provide a structure, but there's also a, a really a core I would say spiritual element that comes into it. And for me, that's been helpful through the meditation, which just helps calm the the mind. And it's largely through my my Qigong practice, which is a physical movement practice with a a core meditation aspect. And I do that every day and it just makes such a difference. I would say it grounds me. Mm -hmm. So if you have something like that, where you can take the time to simply every day, it doesn't have to be for long either, just a few minutes, just to be with yourself and not being bombarded by outside stimulus. That, I think, is how you get into the habit of being self-aware, which is very easy not to have in our hyper-sensational society where there's so much coming at us, especially with technology and social media. You really have to sometimes step back. And and that's key for creativity as well. I mean, creativity comes from within, not from without. Core creativity, where we're designed to do as humans but we have to be we have to create the conditions for us to be in an optimal state to be creative and so that Mm. is directly linked to self-awareness in my opinion and as you mentioned really creating space for yourself i think right Mm. now we're in a really interesting time where we're self-isolating and um, spending a lot of time at home and so this gives us an interesting i don't know it feels very weird but it gives us an opportunity to unplug and take and learn a little bit about what exactly do I value and what do I prioritize? Absolutely. I totally agree. It it almost seems like there's a bit of a global reset going on and as awful as what's happening at a a health level. And um, it it is providing this opportunity to really step back and, and look at our lives for, for some people that is those not on the front lines. We're very privileged in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but and you can see exactly what you said, like uh, on social media, what people are doing around the world. There's so much music and poetry and visual art just coming out and being 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 put out there on the social channels to people. It's ex- expressing what's maybe been in them for a long time, and now suddenly there's an opening, an opportunity to step back and, and just let it let it out in a natural way. We'll all be the better for it. I think it's going to be an interesting new world in a lot mm-hmm. of ways once this this calms down eventually. Yeah, I agree. As we come into the final question on the podcast, I do have a cool question here where you fill in the blank. The biggest choice that I had to make to fulfill my destiny is? <sighs> well, that's one I think that I'm still working on, but I would say it is to follow my heart, which has not always been easy. It still isn't easy because I'm a pretty cerebral guy. I come from a very academic family. There's a lot of thought and research and reading and writing that's been going on in my life. But this is where I come back to the self-awareness and the importance of the spiritual practice. And in order to be true to myself, I need to listen to my heart more. And I haven't always in the past. It's been maybe a little more irrational or, or sometimes maybe I have ignored it. 
being open to to listen to what's really coming up from me within and and as i say like i have a bit of experience in life and i'm a bit older than you but it's like it's every day that Mm -hmm. challenge to really be myself and figure out what i really want and where i'm going it's in all honesty, you know, right now, I, I feel kind of all over the place with what's going on. I, I feel a little disorganized in my life. There's lots of things I could be doing that I should be doing, but at times I just don't feel like doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it is that's exactly what I need right now. I'm, I'm <laughs> finding I'm sleeping more. I'm really trying to listen to my body. So I think in terms of listening to my heart, it goes hand in hand with listening to, to my body, which what it's telling me. It's a long-winded answer to a single space entry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those things are quite complicated. But I appreciate how, you know, I think sometimes folks have this incredible pressure to give the answer that other people want to hear. And I just want to thank you for throughout this whole episode and being honest about how, you know, the challenges and how great it's been. Because I think those two things go hand in hand. I don't, I don't think that we hmm. can be great and live in our purpose without experiencing setbacks, obstacles, challenges, doubt, you know, fear, like all of these things. So thank Absolutely. you for being. Uh, transparent in both of these worlds because they they uh, they have allowed you to be here today thank you for saying that i yeah, appreciate that it's not been an easy journey but it's been amazingly rich and mm-hmm. a large part of it is allowing oneself to be vulnerable i agree as we wrap up the episode this is the, the last question that i ask on the power of why what's your why when shit hits the fan and you're tired, mm. uninspired, maybe on the brink of giving up on your mission, what is the reason that you keep going? And I want you to be really specific. Yeah, there's really not just one reason. I sort of call it a triad. Um, there's sort of three things that really, really keep me going. One is I, I do feel, as I mentioned at the beginning, that I am here to help the earth. Um, so that, that is a core aspect of my mission. So that, that's like a guiding post. I know I'm here to help Mother Earth in some way. It almost doesn't matter what I do as long as that, that beacon is there. The second is my son. Um, and I, I mean, he is a constant inspiration. He's the inspiration for the business. His name is Jyoti, J-Y-O-T-I. And that means in both Bengali and Sanskrit, it means ray of light or radiance of light. And that is exactly what he is. Like he wow. illuminates my life completely. And I know it's the same for Chantal. She would say the same thing. So definitely, he is a huge part of my why. And, and I would expand it, though, to all children. I mean, I, that's a huge part yeah. of what I love about the business is the impact that we can have on, on youth. And when we speak to school groups and stuff, we can, I, I see the incredible potential there. I see it in him all, every day. The third thing is just this, um, I think, putting across this idea, and we touched on it earlier, that um, it's, it's so much of what happens in life and these issues that we come up against, be they environmental or otherwise, are human behavioral issues to do with our perspective of the issue. And so if we can change our perspective, we can change our habits, we can directly impact the issue and we can directly impact our lives. So, and that again full circle comes back to being self-aware yeah so thank you thank you so much for sharing your story 
on the Power of Why podcast. We really appreciate it, Jay. And thank you to everyone who has taken the time to listen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. You can find the show notes at naomihaile.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe to The Power of Why on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I look forward to you listening to next week's episode. Thank you.